Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak, and our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're talking about leadership. In fact, we're busting up some common myths that people often believe about leadership. I thought a funny way to start, since we're talking about myths, would actually be uh, to throw out a few myths that we actually commonly believe as kids growing up. Yes. So we came across this book, actually, that was written. It's called Because I Said So, which I think is hilarious, because that's exactly what our parents said when we challenged the beliefs or the the myths that they were often telling us. But what they do is they actually go through in this book lots of different um, advice that adults often gave to kids. Parents or grandparents. Parents or or grandparents. And actually went and scientifically evaluated whether or not that advice was sound or not. Yes. Which is pretty hilarious. I think you should lead us in this. Yeah. So I'll be glad to be a guesser if you want me to. Okay. So... Yeah, so I think you've seen these before, but we'll pretend okay. for our sake that you haven't. But here's the okay. thing. Definitely our listeners haven't, okay? Yeah. So what I want to do is I'm going to throw out a few pieces of this sound or perhaps unsound advice, and I want you to think in your minds. I want you to kind of rate this advice from one to five, okay? So one is this is completely false, not true at all. Five is this is completely true, okay? So here's the first one. I know you've heard this one. No swimming for an hour after lunch You'll cramp up. Yep. Do you remember hearing that? that? I heard that every summer. All right. So uh, I want you listeners to think about what your answer might be. When he investigated it, he actually found the answer to this is it's a one. It's completely false. Yeah. In fact, as he investigated, he found long-distance swimmers commonly eat a meal during their swim. (laughs) So it was exactly the opposite of this. Eat lunch while you're swimming, actually, That's is right. the answer. But don't we have self-fulfilling prophecy? Oh, my gosh, I think I've got a cramp. Exactly, you know? yes. Yeah. And we blame it on that. Yeah. All right, here's another one. Uh, don't step on a rusty nail. You'll get tetanus. Yeah. I know I heard that one. Yes, I did, too. In fact, too. last year, to go on top of a global pandemic, I actually stepped on a rusty nail oh uh, during wow. 2020, which was crazy. But I found out, even though I had to get tetanus shot, that this advice is actually mostly false. It's kind of a two on yeah, that scale yeah. of uh, one to five. Yeah. And the reason being is you can actually get tetanus from any open wound. It has nothing to do yeah. with rust or nails. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we blamed it on rusty nails when actually tetanus is just yeah. happens uh, to all kinds of open wounds. All right, here's the third one. Uh, if you crack your knuckles, you'll get arthritis. Mm-hmm. My grandfather don't said this to me. Knuckles. Yeah, my grandfather said this to me every time I crack knuckles in yeah. front of him. So I don't know what you think this answer might be, but it's actually completely false. It's another one. Um, in fact, there was a guy named Donald Unger who uh, yeah. the author of the book tracked down, and he found that he had actually done his own personal experiment because his mother had told him this for his entire life. He decided for 50 years, 5-0, yes. yeah. he cracked all the knuckles in one of his hands and not in the other hand just to see if there would be a difference. And at the end of that 50-year experiment, he was given a scientific, uh, an amateur scientific award for his work because he found that there was no difference. Difference whatsoever between one knuckle, knuckles on one hand and knuckles on the other hand. So myths are common, uh, and we don't even know that they're myths. We, we're not perpetrating lies or whatever, but we have misnomers yes, in our heads. Yes, absolutely. Both adults and young people. And today, what we're going to talk about is a common myth that 
would prevent a student from stepping up and maybe leading the way. Yes. We want to challenge them. Most of us listening would go, absolutely, I want to challenge this next generation of students to step up and take a leadership role, a leadership position, or just a person of influence. Yeah. Help them be a thermostat, not just a thermometer on that team or or that classroom. So we're going to look at one big one, and we're going to try to bust it today. I love that. I love that. Well, the way I want you to start is actually telling a story, because you've led lots of different people in lots of different contexts. Context. But one of my favorite stories is the story of Rich or yeah. Richard, and he exactly fit the bill of the student that we're talking about today in how he approached a leadership role. He bought into this myth to the T. So Rich was one of the most consistent student leaders I witnessed while I was living in San Diego, but he almost never led anything because of this myth. That's so believed. interesting. He came an inch from never stepping up and showing his peers what, what he could do. Um, He almost failed to jump a common hurdle that keeps, I think, millions of students from from leading. His hurdle was simply this. I'm not a natural. Mm. So when Rich came into our department, uh, most of the students were from San Diego State University, uh, the largest state university in the area. And I could just tell right away, Rich could be a really good leader. I just, just talking to him for a moment, I thought he could be. Now, he was soft-spoken, but I thought, boy, he's a good thinker. Uh, He's clear when he does say something. So I challenged him to lead. Well, you would have thought I asked him to rob a bank when I asked him to lead. (laughs) How dare you? Yeah, he quickly said, oh, no, 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 no. You know, quick. For the first time, I saw passion in him. Yeah. (laughs) And and he quickly said, "I'm, I'm just not a leader. I'm just not a leader. I'm just not a leader. Well, I apologize for offending him. But I stepped back and thought, I know I'm right. I know mm. he could be. Yeah. So what I ended up doing uh, was I ended up taking him through a process where he joined one of the department clubs or groups, study groups. Just a member. That's right, just a member. And then he became an apprentice where he helped the leader but didn't have to lead. Yeah. But a couple of times that leader was out, absent, uh-huh. and he had to step up those two weeks. Yep. He was brilliant. And he ended up becoming a leader within a year and a half, mm. maybe a year of the first challenge that I gave him that he absolutely shunned. Yeah. Now, I tell you this because there's hope, but we have to help these students really jump this hurdle. See, Rich assumed that natural good leaders always have some sort of, I guess the word would be charisma. Yeah. You know, they're just yep. kind of dripping with charisma. Everybody flocks to them. Yep. They're, they're, they're magnetic. A, magnetic, somewhat popular. And when you think of that, Rich looked in the mirror and thought, well, that's not me. Yeah. And I think most students do. Not all, but most. There's a few that think they're awesome when they look in the mirror, but most of us realize, I don't know if anybody would want to follow me. And that's where Rich fell into. Yep. Uh, let's face it. When we think about great leaders in history, even, yep. Yep. we often conjure up this picture of this Winston Churchill, this, you know, whatever, Napoleon or whatever. Yep. Oh, my gosh. It's <laughs> mythic. Yeah, you know? that's right. And legendary. Yes. And people flock to them. The really good ones, though, um, often aren't natural leaders. And that's the good news. And this is the kind of stuff I want you to listeners to not only consume, digest, but begin to pass on to those young people under your care. Is it fair to say that sometimes we think of leadership as a personality when it's actually a skill? Is that a way to yeah, think of it? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, I've often said leadership has less to do with a position and more to do with a disposition. Mindset. So, yeah, yeah, it's a mindset. It's a way of approaching life. And when I realize I can learn some skills or qualities that make me influential and attractive, Mm. uh, and I don't mean attractive in 
you know, I'm, I'm charismatic a way or YouTube whatever. influencer, yeah. you know, or anything like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Just, just that people would go, I'd follow you. Yeah. What do you think we should do? Yeah. So um, that's that's where I'm going with this. Now, let me let me stop down for just a minute and share something extremely practical. Andrew, when we do a next generation facilitator certification, one of the favorite parts, I think, for many of our attendees. It's at least one of our favorite parts. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> Dare I say it's one of my favorite parts um, is how young people emerge to be leaders. Yeah. So I thought I would take a quick minute and just talk about these four common ways that young people or students step up and take a leadership role. The first one, these are going to be four now, if you're a listener, if you're a listener, number one is probably the most common and it's the most obvious to spot. Some young people are just gifted to lead. Yeah. They're the ones that when they walk in the room, you just spot them right away. Oh my gosh, yeah. Jessica is going to lead us or Josh is going to lead us. They have uh, either either charisma yep. or talent or they're good communicators or they're good organizers, yep. good strategists. Um, they have but, some sort of obvious skill. Yeah, that's right, obvious skill. And I think we owe it to them to, in the right moment, pull them aside, maybe one-on-one and say, you have a gift in this area and you owe it to your peers to use it. Yes. You're stewarding a gift. Yep. I don't, I'm not saying take over the world. Yep. You're not, you know, whatever, not some movie icon that's going to take over the planet. But, you know, you owe it because it's a gift you need to steward. Okay, that's number one. I actually worked right out of college for Dr. John C. Maxwell. Mm-hmm. John was a gifted leader. He, yep. I think he came out of the womb telling the doctors and nurses what to do and where and when. I mean, I'm, I'm joking, but I, mean, I need diapers, uh, you yeah, know, whatever. Stat. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. And he'd tell a joke then. So uh, some people are gifted to lead. Number two, this is interesting to me. Some, I believe, are situated to lead. Mm. By that, I mean they're not this obvious leader, but put them in the right situation, one that matches who they are, mm. their passions, their, their strengths, they naturally know what to do. They yeah. seem to have intuition yep. on the topic, yep. and they've never taken a class. Yep. They seem to have confidence in that area, and they've, they've never, they shouldn't. Uh, they, they seem to have, it's almost like they have experience, and they, they don't have yep. experience. So this one is a great... One illustration of this one, I think, is my daughter, Bethany. Mm-hmm. Um, I often think of Bethany. She is a very chill, quiet, I mean, fun-loving, but not take-over-the-room sort of person. But I tell you what, I, I taught this to both of my kids when they were growing up. When Bethany was away at college, there were times, one, at least one call a year, where we'd have this conversation. And she would say, Dad, I think I found my situation. <laughs> and I knew what she meant. Yeah, It was RA, or it was helping to plan a leadership conference or whatever. But the point here is, it doesn't mean they're great at leading anyway. In fact, I think I'm a situational leader. Put me in charge of technology? Don't. <laughs> I, that would not I've tried be, it. It doesn't I know. Work. Yeah, <laughs> you've tried it, and we waited a year on turning on the computer, actually. <laughs> so I'm kidding. But um, situ- you're going to find there's a lot of students, listeners, that are under your care, that you'd say they're not a leader. Oh, no, 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 no. They might be a leader. In fact, they are, I think. Mm-hmm. But you have to help them find their situation. Love it. Number three, some are positioned to lead. Yes. And by this, I simply mean some will never step up to a challenge or a responsibility until you buttonhole them and say, Rich, <laughs> yeah. I need you to do this, yeah. or, or uh, Heather, or whatever. So the position to lead kids or students are the ones that would say, I'm not a great leader, and I need to let those people that really are do that stuff. But when you say, gosh, I really need this done, 
they go, oh, okay, and they don't, they don't even believe in themselves, but because you believed in them enough to ask them, they somehow conjure up the courage, and then they rise to the occasion. Yes. And you look back and go, oh, my gosh. And they look back and say, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. I did it. Yep. So it's, it's quite fun. So um, the fourth kind is actually my favorite. Uh, this is uh, those who would say, I'm summoned to lead. Love it. Now, by summoned to lead, this may not ever be a leader that has an f- official badge or position or title, but it's someone that sees a problem or they're suddenly faced with a problem and they rise to the occasion. It's like the problem summons them or yes. beckons them like to lead. You can't not do this. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. So my favorite illustration here is uh, former President Harry Truman. Mm. When I read his biography, I thought, there's, there's a picture. So Harry Truman grew up in Missouri on a farm. Everybody kind of knows that. But he was a very shy, uh, introverted, kind of a nerdy sort of guy. He wore glasses early on, and so his classmates called him four eyes or, you know, nerd or whatever the words were back then. So he really kind of shrank from, some, from doing anything. But when he went off to college, uh, something happened that changed everything. His father got sick and passed away. And so Harry had to return home from college to work the farm, mm. and he never finished college. Oh, wow. The only president, or I think it was one of the few presidents that never finished college. Wow. Uh, in the, at least in the 20th century. So Harry um, goes back, works the farm, but because college was not on the table then, he signed up to fight in the military in World War I. Yeah. So 1914 to 18, that period of time we were in a world war, Harry was, on, uh, was a soldier. So as he's marching through Europe with this, this troop he was a part of, the Germans started dropping something from the air, and nobody quite knew what it was, but they just got scared to death, and they ran in terror. Just everybody was shot out and, and retreating. Well, Harry Truman had a horse fall over on top of him. It was kind of a miracle he didn't die right then and there. Wow. But he squirmed up from under the horse, looked out at the soldiers running away, and he yelled. He, this nerdy, four-eyed guy yelled, stop, get back here. We've not finished our mission. Well, I think everybody was so amazed that this kid called him back. They <laughs> Who all did that stopped. come from? Yeah. yeah, dead in their tracks. They started returning, and they finished their mission. Wow. Harry Truman wrote in his journal that night, I learned two things about myself today. Number one, I had a little bit of courage. Mm-hmm. And number two, I really like to lead. Wow. And so this kid was summoned to lead, kept on going, leading. Yep. Later ended up in the Oval Office. The summon never went away. That's right. Yeah. Ended up in the White House. And what I'm simply saying to you, listeners, we're going to talk about this, this nugget of, of busting the myth. But one thing I want you to be looking for is, as you look at the students around you, are some of them gifted to lead? Do you need to challenge them to use that gift? Are some of them situated to lead? you need to help them find that situation? Are, do some just need a badge? And then do some... Uh, they need to have a problem, and you need to get happy yep. when they see a problem. Make them aware of some problem yeah, in the yeah, world, yeah. yeah. It reminds me of a student I heard about um, uh, earlier this year, actually, and she was summoned to lead, actually, by a, uh, discovering the some really big issues over in Africa, and she came up with this scientific innovation in her high school wow. biology class Wow! And, and ended up being reported on uh, in national magazines because of it. But I think so many students are like that, 
right? They fit in one of these categories. And in some ways, it feels like they're almost just waiting for the right adult to come, recognize where they are, and call them up to greatness. Yeah. Um, so thank you for those examples. Yeah, you bet. So let's talk briefly about this this myth about leaders need to be charismatic. They need to be dripping with, mag- you know, they're just magnetic and dripping yeah. with charisma. Um, first of all, the first thing I think is Dr. Jim's Collin, Jim Collins wrote a few really great books. One of my favorites was his book called Good to Great. Mm-hmm. And in that book, Good to Great, he reveals research that he did on these high-level leaders, uh, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. I mean, highest level. There's nowhere to go from here but, yeah. but, but down, you yeah. know. And he discovered something he did not expect. They weren't people that were dripping with charisma. Fascinating. They weren't this magnetic, oozing, awesome, magnetic, uh, you know, thousands of people following on Twitter or whatever. In fact, he calls them level five leaders where they had a, they had a, a, a real inward and outward focus. Mm. When problems happened, they looked in the mirror and said, what do I need to change? But when great things happened, they would look outward and say, ah, my team, my team did wow. this, and they would share the credit. But he said, I noticed they were all humble. Mm. Now, humility is in the grasp of every one of us, yeah. you know? So I'm an endorser of humility, but it was more than just humility. It was the ability to see a larger picture and get away from the feeling I've got to be someone else that I'm not, yep. this charismatic leader. Yeah. So um, some, of the, um, some of the problems with charismatic leaders that might just help you, listeners, understand this, journalist uh, Chris um, Radigan uh, came up with um, some of the problems with charismatic leadership. I thought they were spot on. He said, one is unsustainable growth. Mm. So you may be drawn to a charismatic leader, but how you know ca- how long can you keep that up? Yeah. This dog and pony show where you're yeah. just awesome, awesome, everything's yeah. awesome. Eventually it doesn't look great yeah. anymore. Yeah. That, right, yeah. Hype sizzles and then it fizzles. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> true. That yeah. That's true. So um, we all know people like that and we all love it, but over the long haul, you're gonna follow either it's it's got the goods, not just the the sizzle. Yeah. Number two, uh, the charismatic feedback loop is one of the dangers of charismatic leadership. So uniquely gifted leaders may rely too much on their own talents. Uh, I know leaders that will do this. I have to watch myself not to just wing it in an area that I'm strong, Yeah, uh, like communication or or, or whatever. So um, it's just very, very important that we realize uh, this can be easy to ignore, uh, but we've got to make sure we're, we're keeping our finger on this pulse. Mm. Number three, all style, no substance. So one of our habitudes is called splashes and waves. We talk about that. Some are wave leaders, some are splash leaders. Splash leaders are the ones that, like you're in the ocean and you're just start splashing around. Yeah. It doesn't change anything. Yep. You know, you're just making a noise. Yeah, it's just noise and yeah, a little attention. Right. Yeah. The waves in that ocean are moving the water. Yeah. And I... I want to be a wave leader, not a splash leader. But very often we can see somebody on social media, Andrew, or on the internet or whatever and go, oh, there's an awesome lead. No, they're making a bunch of splashes. Watch what happens two, three years from now and see and see if it's true. Mm. Uh, they can easily get distracted by the, uh, the things that, you know, money, sex, power that have dropped so many leaders down. Yes. Uh, the fourth uh, downside of charismatic leadership is just being beyond reproach. Yep. So I read some great data on this um, and have discovered some of the best leaders through history that we remember were charismatic leaders. Yeah. Can I just cite a few that most of our listeners would have heard of? Uh, King David was very much a charismatic leader, this warrior poet that wrote psalms. 
uh, Napoleon Bonaparte yeah. in France, Jim Baker, the televangelist. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be very respectful, but his charisma was much bigger than the accountability that was there at the time mm-hmm. or the substance. Yeah. And Bill Clinton got into trouble. Great yeah. president, but oh my gosh, the Monica Lewinsky scandal. You know, there's there's Netflix shows on this now. Yeah. The whole point is this. Charisma's not bad, but can endanger a leader from making sure that they don't just let that charisma ride and feel like they're above the law, yep. above the morals of the day. Yeah, so. and it's dangerous, too, because uh, charismatic leaders that build organizations or who become their identity becomes associated with an organization, often those organizations work to prop those people up because they're afraid if we lose this charismatic figurehead at the beginning, at the front of our organization, what will be left yeah. of all the things this person has built, right? No doubt about Everybody it. becomes dependent and almost it's almost like they're leeches attached yeah. to this charismatic leader and it can cause dangerous behavior to be perpetuated and even hidden yeah. sometimes because of that. Well, here's one way to say it. As power goes up, accountability tends to go down. Yeah. Um, uh, you all that are in the world of athletics, student athletics, think about this. The student that's very powerful and maybe very talented you don't hold them quite as accountable as you do those second-string players. Nor do their peers, up. right? That's exactly right. Yeah. So uh, this is all. St- here's what. Here's my point. My point is this: uh, it's not to down charisma. If you know a kid that's got charisma, hallelujah, that's Absolutely. great. But you need to convince the other. Oh, I don't know. Ninety-five percent of those students to say, "Hey, it may be good news. This may be." a good thing in the long run, a benefit in the long run, that you're not dripping with charisma. You may be the very one that turns out to be the long-haul leader in the end. Mm. So top leaders need to avoid exercising complete authority, complete power, which often accompanies charisma. So can I just encourage you as we start wrapping up here, uh, if you're leading students and you're wanting to beckon them to take ownership and responsibility and leadership, you might even want to talk about this topic that, hey, you all that thought charisma is the secret, it's not the secret. In fact, you might be better off if you rely not on charisma, even if you've got it, and you rely on the substance of what's the plan? How can we hold each other accountable to this plan? How can I be responsible to fulfilling my part of the plan? This is the stuff that leadership's made of. And I Mm -hmm. think if you're listening and you've led anything, you're nodding your head right now going, absolutely. The charisma ones are fun in the beginning, but the sizzle becomes fizzle. This is the kind of leadership that lasts and lasts Mm. and lasts. Well, let's go back to one of those leaders that last, um, because it's a story that you told at the beginning about Rich. He became that kind of leader, and I wonder if you might just finish the story. Well, if you remember, listeners, I began by saying Richard was one of the best leaders, lasting leaders I, I ever met. Yeah. But then I told you the story of how he didn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. So I eventually coaxed him into it, morally, right? For, yeah, ethically, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you did it kindly. I, I yeah. showed him what was in him, and it wasn't charisma, it was substance. Mm. And so Rich eventually led one of those departmental study groups. But Andrew, when I moved away from San Diego, I moved to Denver and then later here to Atlanta. Richard was leading all of the small group leaders. He was the leader of the leaders. Wow. And I know why he was. They all looked at this quiet young man and said, he's lasting. Yep. He's, he's, here, to, he's here to stay. Or, or not just to stay, but he's, he's going to do what he says. He's going to ful- fulfill and follow through all of the commitments he's made. And uh, people listened to him. He had influence. And maybe, maybe, maybe it was because he was quiet and 
when he did speak, it meant something. When he did act, it meant something. Mm -hmm. So may you go be like Richard rather than maybe Napoleon Bonaparte <laughs> along the way. Absolutely. I think it will pay off in the long run. So can I ask you to do one last thing, Tim? Yeah. You shared with me a quote the other day by Peter... Uh, yes. Just safe. And yes. I, it's one of my, it's becoming, fastly becoming one of my favorite quotes. I wonder if you could just share it's that. It's a great quote. Thank you. Uh, he said, charisma without character is a postponed calamity. Ooh. We'll say it again. Yeah, please. Character, oh, excuse me, charisma without character, which we often see because yeah. we write on the charisma, is, is um, a, just a postponed calamity. Mm. So um, we've all seen it. We see moral failures, financial failures. Sexual failures, where there's affairs that happen, and we go, "Oh, I wish you wouldn't have done that." Yeah. Maybe the charisma went too far. They thought they were untouchable, and uh, it got them into trouble. Mm -hmm. I say, let's build these lasting leaders with substance. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim. Well, if you're looking to build lasting leaders, there's actually a brand new resource that might be perfect for you. A book that just came out, written by uh, your very own Dr. Tim Elmore sitting here. Uh, it's called The Eight Paradoxes of Great Leadership. And Tim, I don't know if you want to take 30 seconds maybe and just tell yeah. us about the book. Yeah, I just believe in leading today. It's just a much more complex issue than it was back when I started my career. Uh, and I think what the answer is not to step back, but to step up, yeah. but to step up with social and emotional skills that allow us to, to practice paradoxes. So we're both open-minded and stubborn. Yeah. We're both leveraging our vision and our blind spots. Mm. We're confident and humble. Mm. I, I have eight of these, and yeah. I won't go into them now, but um, listeners, I, I would love for you to pick up this book. I, I've talked to several people now that have gotten the pre-read, and they go, this is helping me so much. So I'm hoping it will be helpful to you. Awesome. Well, if you want to pick that book up, go on over to growingleaders.com slash store, and you will find it on sale there. Um, I would suggest picking it up for yourself. Maybe there's a group of folks, like you lead a staff, and you want to get it for all of them, but we just know leadership is complex today, and we need resources that help us know how do we keep going and learn to lead well in very a very complex world. So Tim, Tim, thank you so much for leading us today and for writing this really helpful resource. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That gets the word out about what we're doing here, and we would be so appreciative of that. You could also quite literally get the word out by sharing this with a friend. If you found this podcast particularly helpful, pass it along to somebody who you think might also enjoy it. If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, uh, stuff you want us to talk about, subjects or issues, or perhaps uh, a person you think we should interview, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those. Well, Tim, thank you again so much for leading us in talking about busting myths of leadership. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.